Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 88. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have Adam Redzovic. Adam is a third-degree black belt and the owner of three jiu-jitsu schools in the Chicago area and several other affiliated schools worldwide. He shared his mindset of the early days of his business, which was, there is no plan B, we have to make it. He talked about the importance of having a mission statement for your business, and my takeaway from the interview came when I asked him about some of his entrepreneurial struggles. His answer inspired me to title this episode, Are You Trying to Please Everybody? Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on the topic of people-pleasing. Stay tuned right after Jujitsu Tribe's message. Who's The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jujitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jujitsu. Jujitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free jujitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Adam Radzovic. Adam is a third-degree black belt in jiu-jitsu. Adam has three schools in the Chicago area and several other affiliate schools. He's the creator of the online training platform, Radzovic Jiu-Jitsu Online, which can be found at rjjonline.com. Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to sit here with you today, Professor. Yes, Thank sir. You. So tell us how martial arts got into your life or if you had any experience prior to jiu-jitsu or when jiu-jitsu got to your life. Yeah, like most kids here in America, we've uh, had a lot of uh, martial arts in our popular culture with the Karate Kid and you know Van Damme, Bruce Lee, watching all these movies. Uh, you start shadow boxing and shadow fighting after watching those Rocky, Rocky Balboa series. You know, I mentioned these things because I'm surprised these days. Because a lot of the youth I see, they, they haven't watched these films that I know. you and I have watched. <laughs> so, um, but at an early age, um, I would go to the local park district, watch the boxing pra uh, practices. Uh, I would dabble with a little bit of boxing. Eventually, my mother enrolled me in a Taekwondo program. And, uh, but that was short-lived. That was nothing uh, that was very temporary. Um, and then after the UFC, you know, jiu-jitsu started to become more and more uh, popular in America. And it was about when I was in high school, I have an older brother who began training and then forcefully made me train. I never signed up for jiu-jitsu. But thank God, thank my brother, you know, to uh, really push me in that direction and not let me quit, you know, like you, I'm sure you're familiar with, we have 
Uh, many of the students, they come, they go, but um, it was about roughly over 20 years ago that I began my jiu-jitsu journey, you know, through my brother, Eddie, and uh, here we are today. So a little bit of Taekwondo, a little bit of boxing, and then through jiu-jitsu, you know, we have so many um, wrestlers, Thai boxers, so many different martial artists that come to the community. So through our community, I started to also practice some of these other styles. So all in the, all for the sake of truth, we're trying to see what works and you know, there's, I think, truth in a lot of these different styles. So, but jiu-jitsu is, uh, that's my foundation. That's where my heart is. So it's been about 20 years since we began. And how do you feel jiu-jitsu relate to life? Um, you know, not to go super deep, but I believe jiu-jitsu is like, jiu-jitsu is life. You know, life is a constant struggle. You know, there's always some type of challenge if, uh, Sometimes you're, you're, things are going well, but you know you don't never know what's on the horizon. You know, and uh, same thing in jiu-jitsu. Sometimes you're feeling really good, things are going well. You're starting to see that you're improving. Then you have to deal with an injury, and now you have to conquer challenges that sometimes you didn't expect. So, you know, there's a lot of crossover with. Uh, the jiu-jitsu journey, a lot of the lessons we learn, obviously, uh, I think they carry over to life. I think it's a great, you know, reflection of life, the struggle. And when did you have the spark, the idea to start teaching, make a living with jiu-jitsu? At some point, you're just practicing it, and at some moment, I guess, your brother have a big influence on that. But when do you realize that, you know what, I think I'm going to do this for a living? You know, um, looking back, it's it almost seems that uh, I I didn't really make that choice. It just seems like it was destiny, because uh, there were so many things that contributed to this being in my life. Um, for one, you know, jujitsu twenty years ago here in the Midwest, in Chicago, uh, like most places in the world. It was new. So the fact that we were training, we were ahead of our time, so to speak. So we, were, we benefited from being here early on. And, um, you know, I, I, I did, we didn't have any, like, business partners. We didn't have any investors. My brother, myself, my cousin, who's also involved, uh, we weren't the brightest light bulbs. You know what I mean? We didn't have the best grades in school. So we didn't do this for financial gain. We weren't even thinking long-term, but we loved jujitsu. We believed in jujitsu. We were passionate about it. And um, I believe that was a, you know, one of the strongest contributing factors. It, was, it wasn't for money, it was for love. And it was um, with belief. We really believed that this is the truth. You know, not only just as a self-defense system being what we believe the most complete system, but we quickly saw the positive impact it has on people's lives, you know. So it's, to me, it's almost like a, uh, you know, if it's done the right way, I almost, I think it's like an act of worship. It's like an act of service to your community that there are, there's a space in the neighborhood where people can come and they can, exercise their mind 
through learning technique, they exercise their body through sparring, they exercise their heart by being connected to their community. And this is also ultimately can feel sometimes like a spiritual experience. I'm sure you've seen so many people, they seem so to like, you know, they're so happy. Not all the time. Sometimes you get crushed. You come to training and you have to really deal with the reality of, you know, where you stand sometimes. But, you know, we started to see people, even in my own life, as a young kid, you're smoking cigarettes, you're hanging around with the wrong crowd. You're seeing that there's things that jujitsu as a tool to keep you accountable. If you're trying to get better, you have to eliminate things that are unhealthy in your life. You know, if you want to get deeper, if you want to grow. So, you know, somewhere along that line, you know, again, out when, when this was all beginning, I was 16, 17 years old. So again, I wasn't thinking long-term, you know, uh, and our school wasn't making money for at least, at least the first five, six years. You know, because again, we didn't have a plan. We're just doing what we loved. But thank God, thank uh, all those who were around us. We weathered a lot of storms. And now we're here today and we have uh, uh, something where we can provide. For. And uh, we also have people in our community that are working at the school and they're providing for their families. So it's just beautiful to see where passion and uh, sacrifice has led us, you know, we're really happy with, uh, with life, with, with everything that's going on. Yeah. And you, we always talk about this in a podcast, how jujitsu is a tool, is a personal development tool. And a good way to explain some to other people is imagine if there is a pill that you're going to take it and helps to raise your confidence and get in better shape and release your stress and improvement in the mental aspect, the emotional aspect. Would you, would you take that pill, you know, be like, sure, that's what jiu-jitsu is, you know? And for some people that sometimes uh, they're not sure, most people who are uh, listening to the podcast, they train or at some point have trained jiu-jitsu before. But very often, sometimes people come in and they are not sure, like, well, I don't know, do I really want to invest my money on this? So, but they don't understand the, the game that is not just, you're just not working out, dude. You know, this yeah. is, it goes so beyond that. And a lot of people don't know in the beginning, but that's basically what that pill is for so many people. And so many people call the jujitsu therapy, you know, mm -hmm. because that's, uh, that's where a lot of people just, man, you don't have time to think about your problems when you got other problems to deal with it. Someone trying to choke you. Yeah. And, um, to follow up on that, I re I recall early on in, in, when we began training, a lot, a lot of our perspective was coming from which martial arts is the best, right? That was like the whole theme of the UFC, put the guys in the cage to see who, who survives and who thrives. And so early on in life, that was, well, that's what it was about. We came in there, we wanted to learn the most effective martial art. But now fast forward 20 years, um, I, I believe that even if there wasn't anything called jujitsu in this world, there was no jujitsu. I still believe as a human being, you, hope, you owe it to yourself to stimulate your mind, you know, to keep learning somehow, like reading a book, read, uh, learn a language, do something, right? So, and there's some signs that life shows us, like there's a dopamine release or uh, something, you know, you feel good when you, when you learn something new. And same thing physically. If there was nothing 
call jujitsu in this life and still think the human being should exercise. They should have physical stimulation. Like some people, they put on their running shoes, run around the block to get it. And again, life shows you something, you know, you feel good after a workout, dopamine release, endorphin rush, all that stuff. So again, mental stimulation, physical stimulation, and then also emotional stimulation. It's, you know, when you have a community of people who are like-minded, um, or even just a community with people who you can talk to, um, we, that's what we call the emotional stimulation. A couple of examples, there was a study, I believe it was called the Harvard study, where they wanted to see what was the, what was the common contributing factor to people who lived long, happy, healthy lives. So this is one of the longest uh, ran studies, I believe over 100 years, where they wanted to see, was it, was it diet? Was it financial you know, situations? What was the common factor? And they concluded that it was healthy emotional relationships was the, the, the most common contributing factor to living a long, happy, healthy life. So again, going back to jiu-jitsu, I just see it as a total package. New things that are developing, physical stimulation, we're getting this from the sparring, from the practice, and then emotional stimulation by just showing up and being part of the community. You know, so I think uh, again, if this was, if there was no jujitsu, I would I would encourage my children to keep themselves accountable in all those facets. And ultimately, I think it's a spiritual experience when you do because if you're not, I know what it's like looking back. If you're not learning, if you're not exercising, if you're not engaged in the community. Sometimes it feels like depression, you know, but when you are growing mentally, you're growing physically, you have healthy emotional relationships, it just, there's something inside that feels like a spiritual experience. So I found a way, just looking deeply over the years, we're going beyond practicing techniques. Although I still believe this is the most complete martial arts system, it's a beautiful thing. I just feel that, uh, and it's really beautiful what we're doing. And, 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 and how we can contribute to our community if we deliver this in a responsible way. Yeah, I was talking with someone yesterday was coming in for a first class in my school. And the person mentioned about you know, interested in like the social aspect too of like uh, getting to know people at the school and stuff. And I said, man, this is something I need you just, it's something about whatever you want to call wrestling with people or grappling just so close that kind of connection that you end up just developing relationships i personally i do yoga and i i i love it i, I it's really good for my body but it's it, i learn a lot going there in the business uh sense because it's a franchise i i love the place but i look everything what it's around but i do pay attention at the culture too and it's very different than jujitsu at least the place that i go to because you so by yourself you do everything kind of by yourself and everyone's just kind of in their own their own deal and no eye contact everyone their own deal which i'm i'm okay with it and i'm going there to get my workout but in jujitsu when you get there People shake hands, they get on the mat, they shake hands, they start developing relationships, they talk. So it's, it's very interesting how uh, jiu-jitsu or wrestling, like I said, you know, that kind of like one-on-one -on -one content, just content just built the, the, the relationship is, is very different. Yeah, I think there's, there's many places we can go at, to stimulate the mind, to stimulate the body 
to stimulate the heart. You might have someone who goes after work, they go to the bar and they drink and they watch a, a game. And to them, I look at that as um, they're probably finding value in the emotional stimulation, like hanging out with people that they're familiar with. And now obviously it's much healthier for the human to, not, to, to, to do this through exercise instead of drinking beers. But I think we, we can see these facets all over our society. Some places you go, like the health club guy comes in there, he's punching the heavy bag, gets that physical stimulation, he leaves. But he doesn't necessarily learn anything. You know, he doesn't necessarily need to talk to anybody. But when you come to the academy, especially if you're going to be here for, for the long term, you have, to, you have to, you know, engage with the community. And it's almost like you're forced to stimulate all of those facets, the mind. You gotta, you gotta learn. You can't just come in and spar, right, all the time, unless you don't want to get better. And then you can't just learn without sweating. You have to, you have to. So it's, I think it's the full package: mind, body, heart. It's, a, it's really deep. It's really, uh, really happy to, to, to be a part of this in people's lives. People come in and, like, you know, a few years later, they don't look like the same person. Sometimes it's just. They've transformed themselves physically. Sometimes they've transformed themselves through confidence. You know, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So how was the mindset back then when you opened the school, like you said, a long time ago, and even though it was very organic how it happened, but as soon as you get to a point that, okay, we're going to lease a building, that comes with some fears, some doubts, uncertainty, like, man, are we making the right decision? How... So how did you deal with some of the, the fears that, uh, that come in when, because we do have a lot of people who are listening that are in transition, they consider an open a business, not just jujitsu, but I'm saying opening a business that they're passionate about it or we're not. And sometimes that fear can overwhelm people end up not taking the leap and actually pursuing what they want. So how was the mindset back then when you, you guys took that leap and how did you deal with some of the uncertainty um so just not to sound um arrogant but um, there was never any doubt as to um you know failing uh you know to give a greater context we were failing pretty hard financially from the business sense in the first five, six years. And again, because of, you know, the reality of being so young, not having bills, you know, I was not married, didn't have any kids. You know, at that time, I'm still living at home, right? you know, so, and, and the, my brother, he's also had a, a job. So the school started like a club that grew into, you know, um, a well-oiled machine, so to speak. So we had the, the opportunity of making a lot of mistakes in the beginning, learning from them. Um, but as far as ever, we, I, there was no doubt of, um, you know, what if this doesn't work out? It's kind of, it reminds me of this story historically of these generals that would burn their boats upon arrival to the battle. There is no there's nowhere else to go. Like, this is it. Like, there's no plan B. So, again, that's not because I'm so smart and I have it all figured out. It was just, uh, 
we have to succeed. There's no, there's no plan B. And, um, but looking back again, if in the beginning we had absolutely no experience, we had absolutely no plan. So, um, if we had to put up large sums of money, you know, yeah, that would be a big problem. And I'm sure there would be a lot of concern and worry. So we started off, um, as a small club hopping around from like one uh, gym to the other, like health club, high school wrestling room, eventually got the own, our own storefront. But when we got into the storefront, it was, uh, you know, I had a, I really believe that jujitsu is um, the truth. And with hard work, uh, you know, everything's gonna work out. So I didn't think too deep. I didn't, you know, I just, I believed it has to work. And um, with that said, I, I, we also have to, I mean, I believe that we also have to admit that we don't know everything. You know, just because we are starting to get pretty good at jujitsu, that doesn't make me a good teacher. And even if I'm a good jujitsu teacher, that has nothing to do with running an organization, running a business, They're all separate sciences. And we have to have that same white belt mentality when we approach each of them. So that was one thing that I felt that was very helpful. I recall always asking questions. Like I was never, I never had a problem with asking questions, even to the point of people think I'm a pretty stupid guy because I asked the most basic questions and I asked everybody. You know, I'm trying to gather knowledge and um, take the good, leave the bad. But um, I guess to answer your question, I really deep down believe that this was the truth, that this was good. I was never financially motivated as far as like, I need to make this much money, et cetera. You know, and again, I don't know if this is good advice for people. Like uh, I was kind of living in the moment with a day, you know, cause sometimes you start thinking too much about the future. Definitely you have to spend time. You have to look, you have to think ahead. You have to have long-term vision. But sometimes um, you have to also be present and, um, you know, to have something that we love to do, something that we believed in, especially when we started to see how this is actually benefiting people's lives. I felt this, there's something here. You know, and even if, forget about the finance. I mean, if, if we're in it for the money, I'm sure there, there's going to be a lot more things that we can invest our time in. But uh, I, I find value in the fulfillment. You know, I have friends of mine that, they're looking to teach classes for free just because they want some fulfillment, you know, because they, they make a lot of money, but they sit behind a desk, not engaged with anybody. They don't see that their work is benefiting humanity at all. So they're looking for some kind of fulfillment. So, you know, I might not be the most financially uh, successful person, uh, but I, I really feel like the Bill Gates, uh, <laughs> you know, when it comes to my heart, I feel like, uh, we're making an impact. I'm seeing people uh, go through things in life where they're finding uh, solace, relief, uh, support. Uh, so, you know, it's, um, you know, I went off a little bit on a tangent. I apologize. But it's ultimately, okay. uh, you know, I think if we find something that we love and it's, and it's something that's going to benefit the community, I think uh, it can be fulfilling. And that's what we're, ultimately we're really looking for. People think they're getting it for money. Can, you can, I'm sure you can buy some things that's going to make you feel good, you know, but um, ultimately, you know, I think we're looking for peace in our heart. And I found it through jiu-jitsu. I found it through uh, servicing the community, you know. 
Yeah. And now in this 20 years, what do you think is some of the toughest, let's say, entrepreneurial experiences that you that you guys had and what did you learn from it? Like I said, especially in the beginning, like I said, you didn't know. It just didn't know better and you just kind of uh, – going uh, going to the flow so when you look back what a problem what a, um, a struggle that stand out um one thing that comes to mind uh, one of the lessons that i learned over the years is uh, you have to start with your mission statement you know what is your mission you know what is uh, how are you and people in your field you know uh you know let's look at it from a jiu-jitsu perspective you know within the jiu-jitsu community you're going to have schools that are you know very basic example some schools say we are a sport jiu-jitsu school uh we're a gi sport school or some schools but no we're no gi school or some schools will say we are a we're keeping this self self-defense tradition school or we are, uh, you know, a, a competition school, or we are, so basically, like, we have to ask, like, well, who are we? You know, what are we doing? What is the mission? Because uh, if we don't know what we stand for, I think we're going to, just by nature, you're going to be pulled in so many different directions. Some people are going to expect you to be this. Some people are going to expect you to be that. And you know, if you don't know who you are, what you stand for, you can find yourself, like, in a tug of war of ideas and, you know, the culture of your program, et cetera. So um, I feel that there's, there should be some reflection on, okay, what is, what is, it, is it just to make money? Is it just to win tournaments? Is it, what is it deep down inside? Because there, there's a lot of uh, value to that um, in the sense that if we have a mission statement and we communicate that to the world, now people who are in search of this type of, martial arts or whatever your business is, if they identify with your mission, I think that also can help with like that brand loyalty where they know, Hey, I believe in what they believe. I, I like their vibe. I like their mission. And you know, some people might pass many schools to get to your school just because what you stand for, you know, and then when it comes to, you know, expanding your program and now you need to hire someone and you need some, you need some help. Now you kind of have a criteria of like, what, what are the values of our company? We're not just going to hire the guy who's the most, uh, you know, uh, just the best grappler just because he can, you know, the, what, what does he stand for? What's his, uh, you know, so I think having a mission statement is uh, super important. And as far as, you know, some challenges over the years, um, what I've noticed is, us human beings, we are very interesting. We will never make everybody happy. That's the default setting. I believe in the beginning when we started to open a school, we're trying to make everybody happy. And that's and I think that's a that's a good nature. You don't you, you know. The opposite is we're trying to piss everybody off. <laughs> so we want to just by nature we want to be helpful, but. Being in this business for 20 years, this community, I call it the people business. You have to deal with human beings every day. New ones come in to try a class, they sign up. There's, there's just so many of them. And uh, 
if you don't know what you stand for, you don't know what your mission statement is, you can drive yourself crazy trying to please everybody. You know, just by nature, you, you, I think we, are, we will never be able to please everybody. I think when we look at all of our heroes in life, even the best human beings, some people can say, who's the best human being? Like, who, who Professor, who, like, who comes to mind to you? Like, this is someone I really admire, just like off the top of your head. My mom. <laughs> yeah, your mother, our parents, you know, some people it's going to be like, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, who just passed away this weekend, or even people who are, who are religious people may say Jesus, Muhammad, or Abraham. These people, we can make an argument. They were some of the best people ever, but they have something in common. They like not everybody liked them. So if the if the best people in the world are gonna have people who don't you know like them, I think there's a good lesson there that we shouldn't uh, you know have our hearts broken when 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 some people just. uh, they can't uh, appreciate what you're trying to bring. But again, what are you trying to bring? What are you trying to do? How are you different? So again, going back to the mission statement and, uh, and then also, again, when you're dealing with, with the human beings, dealing with them with the understanding that we're all imperfect. We're going to have people that come into our, to our lives and, and they're going to cause, give us headaches. And, and it's just, it is, it's, it's part of being in the, in the human business, you know what I mean? Dealing with human beings. So in the early, early on in, in the first uh, decade of, of the, you know, working in the school, I would sometimes really feel disappointed where I tried to do things perfectly, always with good intentions, and then somehow there's someone that's causing an issue, and it would really confuse me. Like, man, how can, you know, why is this happening? We're trying so hard to do things and accommodate people, but then there's always, every now and then, a person that just, you know, makes things difficult. So that's what I would say for people who are getting into the people business, whether you're opening up a martial arts school or whatever service you're going to do where you have to deal with, you know, the full spectrum of human beings. I think you're just going to have to understand that uh, you'll never make everybody happy. And, uh, you know, don't feel bad if about that. You know, find out what's where you find fulfillment and, you know, forward so where does your organization stand at as far as the mission what you guys try to offer so there's uh to 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 make to, to make it uh, you a community where you can become a better version of yourself where you know just like you have uh you know in every city you have different uh services you can go to a uh, you can go somewhere and practice yoga. You can go somewhere and watch sports games. Uh, you can go to a cigar bar and hang out. You can go. There's so many places you can go to receive uh, different values. We're trying to give people a place where they can become a better version of themselves. Where they're gonna they're gonna exercise their mind. They're gonna exercise their body. They're mm-hmm. gonna exercise their heart. And you know, uh, we do that through the tradition of jujitsu. We believe that jujitsu has a self-defense tradition that we try to preserve. We also believe that what makes jiu-jitsu so special is the sport tradition where you find the truth. You're going to have deep struggle and deep reflection. So we try to preserve this as well through the gi, no gi, uh, mixed martial arts. So we're trying to uh, provide a traditional jiu-jitsu school that services, you know, the, the, 
the, the full tradition, but ultimately as a tool for you to become a better version of yourself. We want to really drive that home because a lot of people, they come in they, and they start comparing themselves to others, not knowing that some of these people are trained. So we have people in our, in our community training eight hours a day, professional athletes. And if they come in here and they're holding themselves to these standards, they, sometimes they miss the point. They come in, they get destroyed. Someone who's sacrificing so much, but they don't see that sacrifice. So we really want the, the people to really focus on themselves. So one thing that I, I, I constantly find myself reminding our students is, you know, looking back, how would you have handled the person who enrolled in our school last year, two years ago, three years ago? That's what we should draw light on. Uh, because if we're always comparing ourselves to, you know, others, we're going to be dis disappointed. There's always people who are better. There's always people who are sacrificing more. Sometimes you think this person's not sacrificing, but they're at home watching instructional videos, taking private lessons. And so that's, that's our main message is, uh, you know, come in here. You're going to have a place where you can work on yourself through this uh, empowering art. And, uh, but of course, now we're going to have, you know, the other members of the community are major references. You know, how are we holding up against them, et cetera. But again, we have to be careful to look more looking inward instead of outward. So that's our main thing. Uh, you know, we, we, um, we're trying to find a balance between sport and self-defense. But ultimately, I think it's about self-discovery, you know, self-improvement, self-development. Self. Now, what did you say is one of one habit that you have, a high performance habit that you have that you practice daily in your life to help you and everything? Could it be jujitsu in business, just something you practice daily? Um, I, I would say asking questions. You know, I ask questions to everybody all the time you know from it could be i mean obviously it's gonna i'm gonna ask different questions to different people for, with different experiences but one quote i heard before that was uh sounded pretty interesting it's if you don't ask questions you won't find your answers you know so and this something just came natural to me and um i feel that uh This is, you know, so there's some people who feel that like if I, if I, if I ask this question, maybe they're going to think I'm stupid or, you know, because it's a stupid question or, or even sometimes people have, uh, you know, they, they could be called an ego problem. They may feel like I don't want to ask because, you know, I should already know that, but we'll be surprised if we saw like how much little people know there's people there's like that elephant in the room sometimes we think even in jujitsu i see this i see some people who you know there's certain guards or you know that are being developed and uh you know they're new and uh you know some people don't bother to even ex begin exploring them you know because they know they're going to have to really you know put in a lot of sacrifice to figure it all out so they kind of act like they already know it or try to avoid uh, you know exploring it So I think um, just ultimately remaining curious, asking questions, getting guidance uh, wherever you can get it. You know, sometimes we're gonna get, there's going to be people who we might perceive as like, uh, oh, that's not the best person to ask. I, I try to take the good and leave the bad. You know, not everybody, you know, who you ask questions or trying to get guidance from 
you don't have to take the full package. You don't have to like uh, follow their lead completely, but they might have some insights that would surprise you. So that reminds me of the Bruce Lee quote, you know, life is your teacher. You know, we're in a constant state of learning. So, you know, I try to keep that in mind and, you know, any opportunity I can get to kind of get some, someone's light, someone's enlightenment, I'll take it. And especially the being curious, like you said, in the people business, that's huge to be communicating, asking questions, engaging with people. And if it comes to you naturally, I mean, it's great for some people or not. For me, it's not that much. So it's something that I work on to always be mindful of asking. Not, I'm not saying not, not asking because of a ego standpoint. It's just sometimes just being introverted, kind of on my own, you know, but like, being able to, okay, that's good conversation starters, questions with students and so forth, or what's going on outside of their, their lives. So that being curious to develop the relationship, which is super important in the people business, as you mentioned. So right now, we, you know, I guess for the listeners who are listening to this now, for the context, uh, we just saw uh, Kobe Bryant passed away this weekend. And, um, you know, that's one person that had, think a lot of uh, qualities that many people would admire with his work ethic and um, so forth. And, and that's one thing that I, I just, uh, that's fresh on my mind that listening to a lot of people, a lot of his, uh, uh, um, the people in his field, players he played against, uh, that was also a quality that he had. He was always asking questions, you know, Kobe Bryant, who people would perceive as the best in his field, just constantly asking questions constantly you know curious so you know I, th I found that uh very interesting to see you know it's not just for people who don't know it's people who know a lot too you know just uh you know i think it's why not right if you're gonna, someone's going to share it i'll take it and then and it, it, just, it doesn't always mean that they're going to have the right answer too right not everything's going to be but at least we have an, an, under, an understanding of where people from there no, so yeah, that's one thing that I found helpful. So what did you say is the best advice you've ever received in any area? Anything that stands out? Um yeah, that that one is very, very profound. There's so there's so um, I mean look it's like we're a collection of advice, right? We've been we've been we've had so much our whole life from some of it was good, some of it was not so good, some of it was great. Um, you know, uh, I, I, one thing from, from the like, entrepreneurial standpoint, I, I feel that uh, some of the, these, these are not necessarily direct advice, but quotes that I heard that have been very impactful um, in regards to entrepreneurship, running your own business would be, there's a couple quotes. Um, number one, if you have to be at your business in order for it to function, then you do not have a business. You have a glorified job. And um, that, of now, for me, I love the business. I love being here, you know, but there's a difference between wanting to be there and having to be there. So I've met a lot of people in, in you know, trying to become school owners, 
And, um, and, and like myself, the first probably 10 years, you find that you have to do everything. You're cleaning the mats, you're signing people up, you're canceling people, you're teaching classes, you're open, you're doing everything. But you're also burning the candle at both ends. The thing that you love is starting to hate because you're doing so many things that are, um, you know, it's not the reason why you got involved in this business, right? To, to do all these other things that you might not have expected. So as an entrepreneur, you have to um, basically become a leader, right? You have to uh, be able to train people, to delegate, and to, to put systems in place where if you were to die, that your mission, division, the company doesn't have to die. It can carry on. So that has very been helpful. So, uh, you know, sometimes we, we're very afraid to, get to, to give people the opportunity to, to contribute to our business because we're so protective. But um, I think it's a necessary part of growing. We have, to, we, ha we have to grow others. We have to empower others. We can't do it by ourselves. So there is, a, there is a, some trust. You have to trust people. And you have to also learn to transcend your position as teacher or school, you know, whatever you are, you have to become a true leader and find a way to replicate what you do. It's going to give us a deeper understanding of what we do when we have to teach it. So um, if you have to be at your company in order for it to survive, it's not a company, it's a glorified job. And um, another quote along the same lines is, you know how you can see if someone's sick, sometimes there's outward uh, uh, symptoms. If I'm coughing, I'm sneezing and runny nose, etc. you'd probably say, hey, this guy looks like he's, he's under the weather, he's, he's sick. Uh, your company has signs of it being sick as well. Uh, one of the signs would be if you were to leave for an extended period, for example, three months, if you come back in three months with no communication to your company, if it's still, um, if, the, if the company's still staying afloat or growing, that means that you've created a good business. That's a sign of a healthy business. But if you find that the, comp the company is in decline, that means that there's something wrong. There, your, your company is sick. There's something in the systems or what have you needs to be adjusted. So that's something, Something I would uh, like to share with my students who are opening up their own schools. And, you know, and again, it's not for the sake of just delegating and having people do your work. No, it's for the sake of for the sake of doing something efficiently. You know, doing something properly. You know, doing something that can exist once you you no longer exist. Because I also see a lot of school owners, not just in our field of martial arts schools, but many people who have a, uh, like I was describing earlier, we had this passion, we loved what we did. And, I, and it hurts when you see someone who has that passion, but because they didn't go and do the, they didn't put the white belt on and, and go through, you know, uh, the growing pains of entre learning proper entrepreneurship principles, et cetera, you, you see that the thing that they love is starting to kill them because they're inefficient. They're doing things the wrong way. 
and um, that's sad to see. So I think we, we I learned this through jujitsu. You know how how such a small detail can have such a profound impact in your arm lock, in your mount escape, in whatever, everything, you know. So the attention to detail that I learned through jiu-jitsu, uh, I feel has been carried over to now the attention to detail on how do you answer a phone if someone's calling your school, right? How, how do you present a membership to people? There's so much that we can learn outside of our field that, uh, so I guess to wrap it all up, those two quotes were um, very important. You know, over the years, I would find myself, you know, entrusting people. Okay, I'm gonna now I'm gonna hire someone for the first time to actually, you know, work in the office. And now I find myself, you know, you know, being insecure, trying to micromanage. But I believe, you know, the the, the president has to let the general lead the army. You can't be out there on his shoulder telling him what to do. Right? So sometimes it had, and we have to take a step back and observe from afar, give them freedom to make mistakes and learn from their mistakes. And, but now if we know what we want, what, we, what our mission is, and we have something that we can kind of uh, point to, if, you know, to see, are we doing a good job? Or are we not? So that's something that I think was very impactful that I would strongly, uh, encourage people to give thought about if they intend to, you know, become an entrepreneur to, you know, because entrepreneurship is not for everybody. It's Absolutely. not, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people who, you know, have, they have very strong opinions about not working for other people, et cetera. There is a blessing in being able to clock in and clock out where you, you leave work, you go now, you find your balance in life, go spend time with your family. You know, for us as, as entrepreneurs, there is no clocking in and clocking out. Like your mind is on, you know, your, your, your project, like all the time, you know, at different degrees, et cetera. But if things go wrong, ultimately it's your fault. You can't blame anyone else. You can't blame higher because you, you know I mean? So, um, an entrepreneur, I believe, uh, those are a couple of quotes that they should pay close attention to. Yeah, and when you mention about putting systems in place and whatever business you have now comes back to what you said earlier about not trying to satisfy everyone because we, when you put in systems in place, not everyone's going to like the systems that are being yeah. put in place. And yeah. that includes uh, customers or staff. And But at the same time, it's thinking that long term, I'm on the same page with you big time on looking i do think about that i don't want that maybe i die tomorrow like all right wrap it up close shop gustavo's gone i don't want that i want the academy to keep serving even when i'm not here in order for that um, for for this to happen i'm gonna make calls that not everyone's gonna like and that means gustavo doesn't teach all the classes Gustavo's not there all the time. So when I start to, to kind of step away from teaching uh, and I stay for a while, not barely teach, I teach, we have, we offer about 40 classes per week. I teach maybe three right now. So a lot of people did not like that, but 
at the long term, like Gustavo is going to so what? So I had for, for the vision that I have for the business, I had this is started basically 2008. That's when I started to put someone to teach like, okay, I'm not Tuesdays and Thursday nights. I'm not teaching, you know? So it was a slow process of me kind of stepping away and again, it's not going to um, satisfy everyone. And now with the event, I've been promoted for people who are listening for the first time and don't know I've been promoting tournaments for over 20 years. And it's the same thing every now. There's much, there's nothing I can really do the day of the competition. Now all the systems are good, are in place. I do some stuff, some back end before the tournament. But as far as running the tournament, I really don't need to be there anymore so i even do my best to sometimes schedule something not being town for that weekend just to make sure that things are going i'm not here and things are going in the beginning when i did that the first one was not good you know the experience was not good i had people send complaints and stuff like that and then the next year was better and then now it's like gustavo doesn't need to be here it's not something oh my god where is he it's nothing out of my presence. There's going to be like, we really need him here. And the same at the Academy, as far as having to, I have an, uh, the same thing that the same way that you do too. Um, I have a great team, a great support system. And I believe you have to, to be able to, again, people who are believing in a, in a mission of the school. And, and I have this, this freedom of, like I said, not having to be there and be able to maybe stay out and then come back and things are still flowing and communicate online. And, but I tell you what, the same thing with me, you and many people, if you do have your systems in place and there's always room to improve, I guarantee that it took a lot of beatings before to get to the point of the system to be working. A lot of mistakes that we just didn't know better. And sometimes it's putting the trust on people that you thought that were the right person for the job. And sometimes there's like values, conflicts. Next thing is I had a bad experience from like stealing things that, you know, like you don't expect because you put, put the trust in and, that's kind of part of it doesn't mean that, oh, now I'm not going to hire anyone. <laughs> you know, it kind of is what it is. Maybe one of the lessons would be like, well, maybe you should have um, should have looked some uh, background check or something like that. And you didn't. There we go. That's your lesson right there. So putting all the systems in place, it's good because in the beginning, um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that, being a little bit of a control freak, trying to put your f finger in everything to make sure that it is being done well. And I was a lot like that. So it took me a while to kind of let that go. And when my tournaments in the beginning of not being there, it started like me being there late. And then to get to a point of not me there, it's a, a huge internal victory for me as far as my control freak that I need to be there. You know, I used to run around like crazy trying to do everything. So for me, it's a huge win. And again, thinking long term, I'm with you. If you're listening and you have your business, uh, put the systems in place and keep improving that system as well. You know, because there's always as the business evolve, you know, especially with the internet and 
digital marketing. There's so many things that you have to be up to date. Like you said, like 20 years ago when you started, man, there's no such a thing as digital marketing and all that kind of, you know, there's none of that stuff. You we know, had the so, yellow pages, remember that? Absolutely, <laughs> the yellow pages. So um, you see that's um, basically whoever, I don't care what business you're at, if you're not keeping up to date what's going on with your field, you're going to fall behind. And and especially for people who are in the jiu-jitsu, let's say business, man, uh, if you don't, really look into all the aspects of the marketing, like I said, everything, how you answer the phone, how we prop, all that stuff is not like it used to be just like, hey, come in. Yeah. Roll around, throw the guy in class and then only the strongest survive. You know, the, <laughs> those days are ooh, so over, so over. And if, if you have that old, old mentality that worked for the time, you know, uh, you know, I don't, maybe, maybe you can stay around, survive, but you ain't going to thrive. Yeah, I, I, I think we can see pretty clearly that, you know, the, the, some of the giants in, in our fields, um, in all fields, you know, there's, you know, we have to empower others, you know, in order to reach our full potential. Just a, a basic example, you know, uh, one of our, uh, one of the uh, people who I feel is a great teacher in, in modern and there wouldn't be a her if the grace he was teaching uh, all the time, right? He had to to start teaching and develop into who he is today. So. For us to take a step back and to mentor people and to guide them. And then also we're learning ourselves through their mistakes and through our mistakes in training them. It's kind of like, you know, this, this is kind of like, you know, a necessary process for us to develop by developing others. So if we're, if, if we're trying to do everything ourselves all the time, you know, you can see, I, I think the fact that if you have, if you, you as a teacher, if you have a system in place where you have a instructor program course where you're digging deep and, and, and actually training people on, to become instructors, we've seen this, I'm sure you can attest to it, they actually become better at jujitsu. The fact that there is an opportunity to potentially teach at your school. The experience of teaching is a teacher in itself. But if I'm afraid, if my insecurities uh, get the best of me and I can't allow no one else to kind of teach, then this can be, you know, I can be, it's not really benefiting their potential, but also for me now, I'm going to have now uh, this thing, I have to be here for this thing to carry on. So I think, you know, we have so many countless examples of great leaders who've, you know, their time has come, they're no longer here with us, but their work lives on. But if they were just uh, so self-centered and controlling, and they didn't, they didn't want anyone to, uh, you know, uh, have a, play a role in their vision, uh, I think that can be a hindrance in the in the long-term growth. So I think you know, there's there's just something to that. You know, you help others, you pay it forward. You you know, also you have to you have to take a leap of faith. You have to. Tr that's where some people have issues too, is trust, because it does exist. There are people out there that you. 
you can make a very bad judgment call. You can give people the opportunity to lead your class that end up doing things unethical, that do things that totally misrepresent your beliefs and what your company stands for, et cetera. But that's, that's you know, this is the game we play. This is the risk. We have to make sure that we are, we're thinking things deep and, you know, um, so, but if you don't take no risk, you're not going to get no reward, right? <laughs> you have to have a little risk. So what ad advice would you give to the younger Adam when you started your business? Not that you want anything different because it's part of the journey. It is what it is. But if you can go back and have a little chat with them and just give him one advice, what that would be. So, um, you know, another profound question, you know, sometimes I feel just like, uh, you know, this is all, this is all just, uh, not everything's in my control. Just the way I've seen life happen. Like I, that's why I believe in a higher power. I feel like, You know, there's things that I, I can't sit here as if I am the, you know, uh, it's my own intellect that got me where I am. There are so many dynamics. I just kind of feel like I'm a, I'm a character in this play of life. And I'm grateful to God for all the opportunities I've been presented with. But if I had to say now, okay, from, you know, a nuts and bolts perspective, what can be done differently as the entrepreneur? I would say, um, To make sure you're make sure you're following the numbers, you know, in everything. And again, when I say numbers, it's not about like, hey, let's think. I need to increase profits. No, I'm not talking about profits. I'm, uh, profits are part of the numbers. But what I mean is this. And here's another quote: If you cannot measure it, then you cannot manage it. A lot of business owners that I've dealt with, I started to getting now into a little bit of martial arts consulting, trying to help school owners. And um, you know, it's. I want to say I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised because this is exactly what we went through for the first probably 10 years of our business. We did not do accounting. So from everything, how many, how many people called us this month? How, how much did they call this month last year? You know, how many people signed up this month? How many people came in this month? You know, how much money did we spend in marketing? What was the return on that? So basically, the numbers tell a story. The numbers are not biased. They don't lie. So I think if you don't follow the numbers, then you find yourself making a lot more emotional decisions of just what feels right. And you might, and for some people, that might uh, work out for them. But I, I think what the, 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 on the higher levels of uh, business, entrepreneurship, you see that, you know, the analytics, the numbers, they, they become more and more important um, the deeper you go on this journey. So um, I would say, like we were talking about earlier, we all have, some things come easier to us than others. Some people, as you were mentioning earlier, uh, you know, as far as asking questions, that might be easier for me than someone else. Uh, for some people, numbers is like very easy. They got an A plus in math class or something, you know. Numbers for me was always... Uh, It did not come easy to me, to say the least, but that is something I would say, because here, here's a predicament I see. People in, in our field, when they start a school, small school, there is not much money being grossed every month. They're making, you know, $1,000 up to $10,000, whatever. And they, 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 they can see it. They, they see their account and they kind of have it in their head. And so they're kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of, everything is kind of like ballpark, you know, ballpark figures in their mind. 
And because uh, it's, they're small and they have, and usually the, they probably have so many other responsibilities too. They got to do everything in the business. That just seems like an unnecessary task. So I would give myself that advice of like, print out your bank statements, track every, every cent, every month, make it a practice. Don't wait to the end of the year to do your taxes and hope for your accountant to do it all for you. No, you've got to, you know, one, it's like an exercise. The more you exercise, the more, you know, aware you're going to be of it. So that's what I would say. I would say follow your numbers, track your numbers. You know, if you can't measure it, you're not going to be a, a good manager of it. So that's one of the pieces of advice that I would give. Yeah. Cool. Now, what book do you like reading? Do you have the habit of reading and listen to audiobooks you know, or something? I unfortunately don't read as much as I know I should. I admire this. I have with a lot of my friends, close friends, they're reading a new book every week, it seems like. And I find that I'm more of a visual learner. I like mm -hmm. to listen to lectures on video, I listen to audio books, mm -hmm. and um, I do read, but again. I feel that I need to do a better job. I need to keep up with my friends. My friends, again, uh, I have like, my friend here has, uh, my friend's visiting from out of town. He bought a stack of books like uh, much bigger than, than this. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, as far as, uh, I guess, do, are you asking anything I suggest? Yeah, suggest. Because if a reading, I mean, I prefer audio too. Uh, it just works better for me. For me, reading, I do, and it's exercise that I kind of need to force myself, sit and like, okay, let's go over 10 pages uh, this morning, and that's it. You know, I do struggle with that. I feel that. But uh, the point is, do you consume content, you know, and how you consume and what do you suggest? Yes, um, I'm actually finishing up a book right now that was recommended by um, someone in our field that I have a great respect for, my friend Amal Easton. He has uh, schools in the Denver, Colorado area. And that book is called The E-Myth, which uh, it kind of drives home this point that we were talking about earlier of, of the importance of creating systems. It's a you great know, not, book, by the way, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, and it, it, I mean, I'm reading it, tw I'm, I've been in, the, in this field for 20 years and um and you know it's, it's. I totally agree with everything that uh, you know I'm seeing so far, because uh, there was a quote I heard someone say before: "Never let your employee take you hostage." You know, and I said, like, "What do you mean by that?" He said, "Well, if you don't have no systems, and you're just relying on someone to do things because they particularly know how to do it, if you don't have a system, you don't." Have know how to train people to do this now you let these this person get away with things that you might not really uh agree with but you're kind of stuck in a position where you you got to deal with them because if they're no longer here you you don't know where to go but i think if you have systems in place it's gonna you know like you said earlier you could put a system and then you can improve upon it right it doesn't mean it's you put one thing and it's like that forever you, Put it together, observe, see how this is working, adjust accordingly. But um, to give people a basic example, in our field of martial arts school, you know, if I'm going to add a new type of class, I want to make sure that that class doesn't rely on one particular person's 
understanding of that class. We need to have a curriculum. We need to have a training program designed to train people how to implement those, that curriculum, those techniques. And therefore, if something goes wrong and that person can't, and moves away, the system, the, the program doesn't die. Right now, we just multiply and uh, keep moving forward. So, yeah, that's a book that I would, I would uh, strongly suggest. And, um, yeah, from the business point of perspective, I think that you'll find a lot of value in that one if, if you haven't read it before for those for listeners. Yeah. So we're getting close to the end of the interview. So for all the listeners who are listening to the podcast for the first time, usually after the interview, I go and I listen again and reflect on some of the messages that we talked about. And then I create a content from five to 12 minutes to inspire, impact, improve your life in some way. And that's where my work really start. I mean, this is the easy part. It's just chatting. You're the one giving the content. So creating something meaningful, usually uh, if I want to put out something out or a video or an audio, I want to make sure that's something that's going to help people. I don't want to just put a video, just say like, hey, hello, everyone, I'm here. It's either I have, if I don't have anything to say, I just don't say anything. I just stay quiet. But the idea is to always provide some content to help your entrepreneurial journey. So what are you currently excited about? What's going on with your school organization? What you got? We're recording this the end of January 2020. So what do you got going on for this year? Yeah, so currently I am in the, you know, we have uh, me, my brother, my cousin. We have three schools in Chicago. And um, now I'm transitioning a lot of my responsibilities in our downtown location. and. Um, you know, historically, we've, we've, um, when we first started our school, we were very competition focused. And then over the years, we started to see that we're kind of alienating a lot of uh, uh, the community because jujitsu is, uh, uh, there's just so many levels of benefit, you know, that will benefit people who are not interested in competing. So for a long time, we just try to keep this balance of it's a lifestyle school so we didn't really we stopped pushing people towards competitions and stuff but in this last year actually this last few months um there's been a handful of people in that have been you know um, they you know i've struggled with uh you know trying to focus on competition and jiu-jitsu just because you know, like you've probably seen, you have people come in here for, for you know, just, you know, selfish reasons. And to some extent, they have to be selfish. You know, that's a, they have to compete and they have to focus on themselves. But this year, we, I have a handful of really special people, some guys that I really admire they, for their work ethic and ultimately their character. So what I'm doing different this year is I'm putting together a team of athletes that I'm going to help them towards reaching their goals. They're not planning to be just casual uh, athletes. They, they have a goal of going to the world's the pan. So for this year in particular, I'm turning focus on helping these young men reach their personal goals. And um, again, the fulfillment, fulfillment's coming from just, uh, I'm actually benefiting uh, more than them because I, I, there's, again, they're, they're good character people, very hardworking people. So I'm just finding myself in the same room at them at the same time, using my experience to guide them a little bit. But ultimately, I think their vibe, their, you know, 
inspiring me now to kind of do what I do better. So I kind of, at the moment today, this is where I'm kind of starting to put my focus in and just kind of being a support system for these individuals. So, you know, we'll go with the flow, see how it goes. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, you know, again, being around people who are who have this ambition and, you know, um, good character. This is also, I just, I, the, I think vibes are real. I think, vibe, you know, the energy is a real thing. So, um that's what I'm excited about today. And also at the same time, we have uh, our association of schools growing around the world. We have two schools in Turkey that are joining our association this month. And I'm finding myself in a position where I'm able to provide value to people on a similar journey that I've been, been in on. So ultimately, um, I'm finding my fulfillment by helping the like-minded individuals. So... Here we go. Taking it one day at a time, you know, and uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, we had a legend pass away this week and Kobe Bryant it just gave me another reminder that like man, this breath that we're breathing in right now, we're not guaranteed uh, that that can end it before yeah. this interview ends. So this is just the uh, one day at a time, you know, thank God for everything. And, you know, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm just finding myself, you know, practicing this gratitude. I feel is just so, is very gratifying. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm just trying to be happy. I'm trying to surround myself with happy people, people with healthy perspectives. So um, the competition team, that's kind of, I'm getting that through them at the moment. Right on. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Uh, got me a lot to think about and see what I'm going to share with the listeners and for all the listeners uh, stick around for my final thoughts Ooh. let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with Adam Radzovic if you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ Adam is a third-degree black belt and the owner of three jiu-jitsu schools in the Chicago area and several other affiliated schools worldwide. Adam has been a school owner for nearly 20 years. He shared his mindset of the early days of his business, which was, there is no plan B. We have to make it. He talked about the importance of having a mission statement for a business, and he mentioned, you will never make everybody happy. If you don't know what you stand for, if you don't know your mission statement, you will drive yourself crazy trying to please everyone, which inspired me to title this episode and ask you the following question. Are you trying to please everybody? Well, we are not trying to make everyone sad either, but we all must find the balance. The entrepreneurs who try to please all customers very often end up doing the same in their personal lives. A few years ago, I bought a book titled Captivate, The Science of Succeeding with People by Vanessa Van Edwards. Great book I highly recommend. I also took one of her online courses from her website, scienceofpeople.com. Vanessa is a behavior investigator, corporate speaker, and body language trainer specializing in science-based people skills. In her course, she talks about people-pleasing, and I'd like to share with you her six steps to stop people-pleasing and start doing what's right for you. Maybe you might say, Gustavo, I'm not a people-pleaser. No problem, most likely... You know someone who is, perhaps one of your employees. So go ahead and forward this message to them. Here it is. 
Hello, my lovelies. My name is Vanessa Van Edwards. I'm a behavioral investigator. I research all of the hidden forces that drive our behavior at our human behavior research lab, The Science of People. Today, we are talking all about people-pleasing. For some people, they can't help but want everyone around them to like them, sometimes at the sacrifice of their own needs, wants, and desires. No more. The only person I want you to please is you. According to Dr. Susan Newman, people-pleasers want everyone around them to be happy, and they will do whatever is asked of them to keep it that way. They put everyone else before themselves. She said, for some, saying yes is a habit. For others, it's almost an addiction that makes them feel like they need to be needed. This makes them feel important and like they're contributing to someone else's life. So here's what you can do to start saying no to others and say yes to yourself. Number one, internal validation. Most people pleasers are desperate for validation and appreciation. They want to feel needed. So they become over the top helpful and say yes to everyone. This makes their confidence purely based on external forces, the approval of others and not internal forces. I want you to rely on internal validation, not external. The best way to fight people-pleasing is to build up what makes you feel good. If you feel good, you don't need others to make you feel good. Do activities that make you feel like a baller. Hang around with people who make you feel awesome without having to do anything for them. Remind yourself that you already have a lot going for you. This leads me to my tweetable for this video. People-pleasing is an addiction that pleases no one at Vivian Edwards. Number two, start with small nose. It's hard to go cold turkey on pleasing people, so start with small nose. For example, if you don't really wanna to go to a party, but you feel guilty, say you'll go, but you'll be there a little late so you don't have to stay the whole night. Or if someone wants to grab dinner, do a shorter coffee date instead. See how you can start saying small no's to get the practice in to saying the bigger ones. Number three, give yourself time. It's extremely hard to say no to someone's personal request. It's even harder when you are a people pleaser. So when a friend asks you to help her find a new outfit, you default to, sure. Or when a colleague asks you to be part of their project, without thinking you say, okay, but then immediately you regret it, and then you're angry at them and angry at yourself for saying yes. That's why I always tell people pleasers not to even try to give an answer immediately. Make a rule that if someone asks you for something, your default answer is, let me get back to you. You can say that you have to check your schedule, your to-do list, or your spouse. Whatever, just buy yourself time. Then you have some space to think about it and respond on email or text with a polite no. This is so much easier than doing it in person and gives you time to make the right choice. Remember, the right answer, let me get back to you, is always best. Number four, know your goals. It's much easier to say no to other people's lives when you know what you're saying yes to in your life. Once a week, I sit down and reevaluate my long-term goals and my short-term goals for the week. I want to know what I'm doing this week that gets me closer to where I want to be in five years. When I have this clear in my head, it's so much easier to say no to requests because I have to make time for my goals right now. So my questions are, where do you want to be in five years time? 
What are you doing right now to get yourself there? These answers will make it easier for you to focus on you. Number five, get rid of toxic people. As you've been watching this video, is there one specific person you've been thinking of? You might have a toxic person in your life who is constantly asking you for things that you are sucked into pleasing them. If you have a toxic person in your life, please get them out. I have a video on the seven types of toxic people right here for you to watch next. Number six, stop apologizing. When you say no, say it with meaning. Don't apologize because you have to prioritize. Don't feel bad that you have some things you have to take care of. You are standing up for you. And remember, if you don't stand up for you, no one else will. Okay, I know you can do it, and it's time to stop people-pleasing and start doing what's right for you. Remember, I am rooting for you. I hope the audio helped you to reflect on people-pleasing because most of us do that to a certain degree. Are you a people pleaser? Are any of your employees a people pleaser? If you completely ignore these ideas, it can end up being toxic for you and your business at some point. As Adam said, get clear about your business mission statement. Who are you trying to serve? What are you committed to providing so you don't frustrate yourself or even your customers trying to please everyone? To wrap up, I would like to share with you a famous quote that is used by many people that says, quote, I cannot tell you the key to success, but the key to failure is trying to please everyone, unquote. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.